Did you bring your Bibles? Okay, let's make our declaration. Are you ready this morning? Say it with me. This is my Bible. I live by its truth. I walk in its light. I rest in its promises. I'm empowered by its love. And I overcome by the faith produced from receiving this seed sown into my heart. Father, I thank you today for your living word. It is alive. It is the seed of your life. And Lord, we receive it sown into our hearts today. May it bring truth and clarity and understanding in all that we do. And may we live by it to glorify you in Jesus' name. Somebody said, Amen. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. If you have your Bibles, open up to Proverbs chapter 3. And uh, I just want to challenge you. We've been ministering on the Holy Spirit. And as I was just preparing and studying this week, and uh, last week, you know, we talked in some different areas in that and uh, about abandoning ourselves to God. And uh, so this week, I just want to add a little bit. We're not moving off the Holy Spirit. We're just kind of bringing some other clarity and areas of understanding to us in learning how to be people who live by the Spirit. So the question is this morning, what is the source of your confidence? What's the source of your confidence? What do you place your greatest trust in? We all say that. (laughs) That's kind of a setup question, I'm sorry. We say that, but when it comes down to where we actually make our decisions, have we really abandoned ourselves to fully trust Him? To just believe Him, to stand on His word, even when it makes absolutely no sense. Look Look what God said to Abraham. Abraham, get out of the land of your father. Get away from everything that's familiar to you and go to where I was. Well, Lord, where am I going to go? How can I go? How am I supposed to get there? How long's the journey? What do I need to pack? What do I need to take? No, he just said, get up and go. Just get up and go. He, he didn't ask you to understand. He doesn't ask you to figure it out. In fact, nowhere in Scripture does God really ask us to understand it. He said that he will bring understanding to us as we walk and live in obedience to what he asks us to do. Are you doing all right? So, in that area, that's the question. Um, Proverbs chapter 3, and I just want to read the one verse. It's in your outline, but I want to read it in the New King James first. I put it in your outline in the Amplified. It says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean what? Not on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Now I'm going to illustrate like this. Eli's about the biggest guy in the church. So Eli, come up here, please. Why don't, you, why don't you stand right down here? Okay, let me hold your glasses here. I'm put them, remind me to give them back to you. All right, no, just turn around and face me. Put your hands up real high. Okay, now watch. Okay, I trust you to catch me. Okay. Okay. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And believe that even Eli can uphold you. (laughs) Now watch, watch. He is a big guy. But God's a big God. And for me to lean back on him, I'm trusting him. God says this, I will uphold you with my right hand. Other passages of Scripture say, some may trust in horses, some may trust in chariots, but we will trust in what? The name of the Lord. Amen? 
And so he's big enough to hold me. But in my life, that, that's literally what faith means. So turn around like this. Faith means this. It means he's there. So step back just a little bit more. Step back a little bit more. Step back a little bit more. Step back a little bit more. It means the leaning of your entire trust and relying upon him. Leaning in complete trust upon him that he will sustain you. But you have to get to the place where you're actually in trust. Trust in the Lord. You doing all right? Okay, walk me back. <laughs> Love you, son. Okay. So until you lean, until you lean on the Lord, until you're at a place where if he wasn't there, you would fall, you aren't in trust yet. Look at the Amplified says. It's in your Bible. Lean on. Lean on. Trust and be what? Confident. In the, so I was just confident in Eli. I placed my confidence in him. In his strength. In his ability to support me. That's how we're supposed to walk and live with God. Be confident in the Lord with all your heart and what? And what it's underlined there on, on, on your outline. What's it say? And your mind. Do not rely on your own insight or understanding. The hindrance to our walk with God is our insight and our understanding. To be able to abandon myself to God and completely trust Him is when I take the step into a life of faith and believing Him. In all your ways... Know, recognize, and acknowledge Him, and He will direct and make straight and plain your path. But watch that promise of Him directing you and making straight and plain your path is the byproduct of obedience of trusting Him. Proverbs chapter 3, the first 10 verses there, every one of them begins with a request followed by a promise. If you go back up to verse 1, look at what it says. It says, my son, don't forget my law, but let your heart keep my commandments. Look at the promise, verse 2. For length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. So the promise comes after the obedience, amen? It's like we talked about in the offering. The blessing always follows obedience. So look at your outline with me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. This is a power principle truth from God's word that we all know and quote. But living it out is a completely different thing. Being able to fully trust God where you don't have all the answers or even any answers or even a clue what the answer is, but you trust Him no matter what is something different. Being able to trust God apart from what we understand is the key to the life of faith in Christ and living an overcoming life, which is not a life without obstacles and opposition. Just because God said He'll direct my path, it doesn't mean I don't have obstacles or opposition to overcome. I don't have controversy. I don't have things that go through. You've heard me say it. I'm serving God. I've had bubonic plate. I've had hepatitis C. I've had accident. I've had all kinds of different things. Pastor Sue's gone through breast cancer and all that stuff. God's brought, but God's brought us through everything. And so you don't understand why, but I don't question God. When people tell me different things, when they told me you have hepatitis C, the first thing out of my mouth was this too shall pass. Because to me, hepatitis C compared to bubonic plague was a, was a 
It's like getting COVID. <laughs> it's a cold, amen? So anyway, so watch this. So look what he says. It doesn't mean there's not a life without obstacles. Rather, it's a life that triumphs. So if I want to live the victorious life, I have to get away from my own understanding. Because if I live in my own understanding, I'm always questioning God. God, how's this going to work? Why is this going on? Anytime I'm running all those questions and, and, and running through all that, I'm leaning on my understanding because it doesn't make sense to me. How can just trusting you make sense? It does. John 16, in verse 13, I put it in there, Jesus says this, However, when He, the Spirit of what? Truth has come, He will what? Guide you into all truth. Now watch this. For He will not speak on his, on his own authority. I want you to get that. The Holy Spirit does not speak on His own authority. Now God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are co-equally God. Okay? But when Jesus was here, what did he do? He did the will of the Father. He didn't do his own thing. Okay? So in that, in God's eternal purpose and plan, God manifests himself as his son, and then he manifests himself as the spirit. But in there, it's all in agreement with the will of the Father. Okay? They all agree as one. So the Holy Spirit's not allowed to run over here and do his own thing. It says he only speaks what he hears. Now watch this. He will not... He, Speak, he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. I like being a re in, in a relationship with somebody who knows what's coming. Amen? So he wants to reveal and show us things to come. Now watch it. We must learn from the Holy Spirit how not to speak in our own authority. I want you to get that. You and I as believers have to learn from the Holy Spirit. When we're teaching on the Holy Spirit, this whole series we've been in and in different areas and still continuing on, you have to come into a relationship with God by His Spirit. Christianity is living with God in relationship in the Spirit, walking with the Spirit, being led by the Spirit. We're called to be people of the Spirit. The other part of that is that we are people of His voice. In the garden that God created Adam, and we read it, and, and, and God comes walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam hides from God. To this way, he says, I heard your voice. So God has always been speaking to his man, to his creation. God's created We are the people of the voice. And we're to know his voice. What did Jesus say? My sheep hear my, and the voice of a stranger they will not follow. So we are the people, we are people of the voice of God. We're to know His voice and to be led by His voice. So when the Holy Spirit has come, look, He's going to lead and guide you into all truth. He's going to teach you everything. So in order for Him to teach us, He's going to have to be able to speak into our lives. Are you listening to me? So important. So we need to learn from the Holy Spirit, though, how not to speak on our own authority, but rather how to speak and to be submitted to the Word of God in all things. Our understanding is at odds against the wisdom and direction of God in our life. When you try to figure God out, you get it wrong every time. God, how are you going to do that? I know how he's going to do that. And then he'll change it just because you think you know. I like it being a mystery and a discovery. God, I, I can't believe it, it. It's always cool after you walk with God and you see where you are and you look back and then you understand how all those circumstances led you to where you are in him. It's so awesome. You see, our understanding, again, is at odds against the wisdom and direction of God in our life, which is why we need to be submitted 
to the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit in our life. We are born of the Spirit, and we are to live and walk in the Spirit with God. Look inside your outlines with me. You see, Paul pronounced an indictment against the church at Corinth because they were still carnal. If you look up the word carnal in the Greek, it, it, it's kind of carne, something like that. How many have ever had carne asada? Yeah, meat. And uh, so, uh, but they, uh, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I want you to look at what he says. He says they were carnal-minded for having divisions amongst them. Look what he says. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal babes in Christ. I fed you with meek and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able. For you are still carnal. Or, as Archie Bunker said, you are still meatheads. For, there, for where there is envy and strife and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like what? Mere men. For when one says, I am of Paul, I am another, I am Apollos, are you not carnal? So look, in our own understanding, when, when I'm living in my own understanding, and, and we all look for validation and support and want to feel better, jockey for position. I'm a Paul, I'm a Paulus, I'm a this, I'm a that, whatever. Labels don't really make you anything. Are you doing all right? They don't really make you anything. So think about this. Paul's saying with them, when you're like that, that means you're carnally minded and you're doing everything out of your mind and your understanding and it's creating this wall and division. But the Spirit of God always leads us into peace. Amen. I mean, there are a lot of people with us being a, a Pentecostal, Spirit-filled church, believing all the gifts of Spirit, operating the gifts of Spirit. People, that makes some people uncomfortable. But I'm like this. I don't care what you believe. I can hang out with you. Amen? And so that has to be your thing. We're not looking for label, not looking for division. That's not why we're here. But we just believe all this stuff. I just like everything at the buffet. I, go, I want all of it. It's all there. It's free to eat. I mean, if, if, if you go to, to uh, whatever it used to be, and uh, you used to have buffets and stuff, but if you go there, it used to be a hometown buffet. We'd go with my stepdad and that. It tastes a little bit of everything. It's all there. It's all. You paid for it all. I don't like this. I don't like. Well, how do you know? Have you ever tried it? No, I can just tell it looks weird. Amen. How many of you are texture people beside my wife? I mean, you, you won't eat something because of the texture. Like Sue's like jealous. She said, no way I'm putting that rubbery float around stuff in my mouth. It's like, just the texture's wrong. Amen. I'm like, no, you put it in there and then you squish it between your teeth. <laughs> it's awesome. It's awesome. It's fun food. Amen. It's party food. Hallelujah. Amen. And then they make it. Anyway, moving right along. But I want you to hear this. You see, our carnal, natural, self-driven, and our, our carnal and natural mind is self-driven and self-concerned. Our minds are self-driven and self-concerned. Paul tells us that those minds are at enmity against God. The word enmity literally means hatred. That, that my mind literally doesn't want to obey God because it goes against everything that makes sense to my mind. 
And so we war against God. We must believe that God is more concerned for our safety and well-being than we are. What does that mean? And again, be able to abandon even our thought life in the area of self-preservation to receive the provision of God. Which is why Paul declared that our minds must be renewed if we want to be set free from leaning on our own understanding. I've had this book for years. We taught it for a while in our Bible school. This is a book by Randy Schenkel called The Marismos. The Marismos is, is a, a word, <coughs> excuse me, out of, first, out of Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, and it's a word for dividing asunder, okay? And it means where the word of God is quick and powerful to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and the thoughts and the intents of your heart. And so the word of God comes and it brings separation into our life. And it shows me where I'm operating in my flesh, where I'm operating in my soul, where I'm operating by the Spirit. And God always does this. He always brings separation for clarification. God separates things and shows us things so we can clearly see where we're operating, how things are going, and bring clarification. And then when I understand all those areas, then once I get understanding in those areas, then I bring them back for unification in right order. Put things back in right order. God does everything decently in order. Isaiah says, line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. Because he teaches truth. So he brings separation for clarification, brings them back together. And when we bring them back together in right order and unification, then it produces a life that brings glorification to God. Amen? And so Randy does this great teaching on this. And in this, he talks about in the garden, Adam and Eve's disobedience in the garden brought upon humanity the whole soulish world. And he says, I've coined a phrase which to me sums up the characteristics of the soulish realm. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Amen? The Bible doesn't say as many as are led by their soul are the sons of God. So if I'm operating in my mind and always trusting and leaning on my own understanding that I'm a soulish believer, I end up being a carnal believer that Paul talked about. We argue and fight and have division. So listen to what he said. The soul man became a recipe for selfishness. A world of selfishness personified. The ingredients are self-indulgence, self-preservation, self-defense, self-motivation, self-centeredness, self-appreciation, self-love, self-adoration, self-worship. The soul is self and self is the soul. The soul man's personality is, is self. Man has through the years exploited the world of self and produced books and teachings of self-esteem, self-worth, self-image, self-value, self-help. Soul uses anything it can to hide the shame and guilt that lies in it. The self-ruled man needs salvation in Christ, not salvation through self-improvement programs. You don't make yourself a better self. You die to yourself and you're raised up in newness of life. Amen? I'm dead to Christ and I'm raised up in newness of life. I'm not saving myself. That's what we said last week. Like the guy dragging the... How many of you ever saw the movie The Jerk with Steve? Remember that? Steve Martin. If you've never seen the movie The Jerk, you should go watch it anyway. I think it's pretty clean. I wasn't saved when I saw it. Anyway... But he's going along, and so he loses everything, and now he's leaving his house, and he goes, all I need is this lamp, all I need is this, this tail, all I need is this book. So he's walking down the street, and he's carrying all the stuff that he needs, that he thinks he needs, and that's what we do a lot of things. Well, I get saved, but I still need this, I still need to have, and we're dragging this old stuff with us, and we just need to let it go and let God give it to us. We talked about last week in resurrection. Amen? Always let God bring it back to your life in resurrection. 
You see, the soul always goes through the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Because, listen to this, we're talking about trusting in the Lord with all your heart. Where's your, what's your source of com- confidence? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lead not to your own understanding. The soul man always goes to the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Always. Because it appeals to the intellect and the senses. The soul is full of pride and arrogance. He is commanding, domineering, rude, crude, ill-mannered, inconsiderate. He is loud, boastful, talkative, opinionated. He is showy, demonstrative, flashy, and obnoxious. He is full of insecurities, fears, intimidations, and inhibitions. He is introverted and extroverted. He is critical, judgmental, condescending, condemning. He is self-sufficient, self-reliant, self-motivating, self-seeking. He is self-love and self-adoration. He is idolatry, which is self-worship. He is selfish. Amen? So if I'm going to live for God, I've got to die to myself to live for Him. And so as we talked about in communion, to, to pour our lives out for Him, I have to get past my own understanding of what it means to live for God. Are you still with me this morning? So watch it. Look at your back of your outline there. Therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the what? To the flesh, according to the soul, man, according to your old life, but according to the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is what? Enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. And verse 14 says there in Romans 8, For as many as are led by the Spirit, these are the sons of God. So I'm saying that many times the leading of the Spirit will take me past my understanding. And we'll get this towards the end because there's so many things that God asks us to do and there's so many references in the Bible that people have to do without understanding why God was asking them to do it. Praise the Lord. So it's easy to agree with the Word of God mentally as truth for our lives and to have a genuine desire in our hearts to see the Word come to pass in our life. But it is something else altogether to move out of our own understanding and abandon ourselves to the Word of God without questioning or doubting and just believe it to see it come to pass, just as Abraham did. Now, there was a place when Abraham asked God, he said, God, you're asking me out here, you've given me this promises of a son, and I'm going to be a father, and I don't have an heir. How, how are you going to bring that to pass? And that's when God said, come out here, look at the stars of the sky and the sand of the sea. Your, your descendants are going to be multiplied like that. Abraham says, how am I going to do that? I don't have an heir. And so God said, this is how you're going to know. God didn't tell him how he was going to do it. This is what he said. This is how you're going to know that I will bring my word to pass in your life. And God said, prepare a sacrifice. And then God walked through the blood of that sacrifice. God made a blood covenant with Abraham that he would keep his word for him. Abraham never again said, God, explain to me, I don't understand. You and I have a blood covenant with God in the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. And when we believe that his word is true because it's sealed in the blood of his son, that's all we should need. Abraham never asked God another question, even to the point when God said to him in Genesis 22, give me your son, your only son, Isaac. He said, okay. He just got up the next day, took Isaac, went for a three-day journey, went up the mount, told the guys here, you guys stay here. We're going up to worship. Isaac says, I see the wood, I see the the knife, I see all this stuff, where's the sacrifice? Abraham just says what? The Lord will provide. 
Amen? He said, I'm not trying to figure this out. God's got it in control. He promised me a son. You're the promise. He walked in blood. He has to keep his promise. I don't care if he has to raise you from the dead. I'm coming back down off this mountain with you. It doesn't make any sense to me why he's asking me to do this. I'm not leaning on my own understanding. In all my ways, I acknowledge in him, and he is directing my path. And you have to get to that place where you go, well, it doesn't make sense. Why has God asked me to do this? Why has he asked me to do that? You don't get to ask the question. You get to obey. God doesn't explain himself. He reveals himself. Well, God, if you explain to me how it's all going to work. No, he, he doesn't owe you explanation. He created you. This is the why. How, how come time goes clockwise and not counterclockwise? How come we can't keep time that way? How, how come time has to go this way instead of this way? Because the people who designed the watch made it go this way. It's the way it goes. Every watch has been like that before. Amen? I'm just saying. So the, the, the watch doesn't get to say, I want to go in the other direction. Oh, this is so good this morning. I hope I have some friends in the house to watch it. So here's what we do. Which brings us back. We must learn to rely on the Holy Spirit in every area of our lives. We must be able to trust Him more than we trust ourselves. We must learn to hear His voice and recognize His leading, which sounds cool and spiritual, but it is a process that takes a lifetime and begins with the choice to no longer lean on our own understanding. If you're going to walk with God, yeah, I'm going to live it, but it's a process. Walking with God is a lifelong process. Can you say amen? It's a process. And we have to move away from no longer leaning on our understanding where we reason ourselves out of the will of God. Pastor Sue and I have been, been in the ministry for 42 years, and we've watched multiple people reason themselves out of the will of God in their life. So this is what brings us back to why Jesus told his disciples not to go out on their own strength and power, but to wait for the promise of the Father and the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon their lives. From the day of Pentecost on, we see the evidence of what happens when men and women follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and no longer lean on their own understanding. Peter had all kinds of problems with God because he leaned on his own understanding. He thought it was going to be, he'd hear God say, not so, Lord, I'm not going to let that happen. And the Lord said, get behind me. You don't know what's happening, what spirit you're of. Amen? Hallelujah. So what? We also need to be released from our own understanding, even when it comes to our prayer life. If I'm content to limit my prayer life just to my own understanding, then I, will willf- then I am willfully giving up one of my greatest assets to victorious living in Christ. And that is praying in, with, and by and through the Holy Spirit. Praying in the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 14, I put these scriptures in your outline. Look what it says. For if I pray in what? So Paul's writing to the church. He's saying to the church of Corinth, For if I pray in a tongue, what? My what? My spirit prays, not my understanding, my spirit prays, your spirit, your spirit prays. Well, look what he said, but my what? Understanding is unfruitful. The word unfruitful there literally means barren, it bears nothing, it's not produced, my understanding produces nothing. What is the conclusion then? Look what he says, I will pray with the spirit and I will pray with the understanding. Two distinctive ways to pray. Paul says, I will pray in the spirit and I will pray in the understanding. Amen. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with the understanding. Let me just interject there. You've heard me say it many times before, but in this. How many know all prayer is directed to God? And when we were worshiping, hopefully you weren't singing to be heard by somebody next to you. 
Amen. You may have a beautiful voice, but the purpose of singing to the Lord is singing to the Lord. Amen. To worship Him. It's a it's, it's vocal expression of, of love and adoration to God in song. And so it's, worship is directed towards God. Prayer is directed towards God. So Paul says, when I'm communing towards God, when I'm worshiping Him, then Paul says, I will do it by the Spirit. If I pray in tongues, then I'm in my, by my Spirit, I'm allowing the Holy Spirit to pray through my Spirit to God. But I'll also use my understanding and words that I know and recognize. I will sing that way and worship God in the same manner. Verse 2 said, 1 Corinthians 2 said, now let, let me just note this. I put a note down there. The Holy Spirit does not live in our heads or our understanding. You can't pray in the Spirit out of your head. Your spirit doesn't, spirit doesn't reside in your head, it resides. Jesus says this, out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. And this he spoke of the Holy Spirit. So God is in you and he flows out of you. He doesn't go into your mind. Are you doing okay? Hallelujah. Thank you for that holy hush. Amen. So look what he said. 1 Corinthians 2 says this, For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, for no one understands him. But watch this. In the Spirit he speaks mysteries. I love the fact that I can declare in the Spirit, when I'm allowing the Holy Spirit to pray through me, that I can declare mysteries. He who speaks in a tongue, look at this, edifies himself, strengthens and builds up himself. What a blessing and an asset that is. Amen? Everybody, anybody ever need to be built up? Anybody ever need more strength? Man, I'm, I just need some strength in my life. Pray in the Spirit. God gave you the ability to build yourself up. You don't want people, I need somebody. Can you pray for me? Can you pray? No, pray in the Holy Ghost and build yourself up. But he who prophesies edifies the church. So Paul says, learn how to edify yourself. And then once you get strong, pray to be an edification and have God's life flow out of you to others and strengthen others. Jude 1 verse 20 says this, but you, beloved, watch this, build yourselves up, founded on your most holy faith, make progress, rise like an edifice, higher and higher, how? Praying in the Holy Spirit. Now, that has nothing to do with your understanding, nothing to do with your but praying in the Spirit, out of your spirit, praying out of your spirit, edify and strengthen and build yourself up. Ephesians 6 verse 18 says, Pray at all times on every occasion and every season in the Spirit with all manner of prayer and entreaty. To that end, keep alert and watch with strong purpose and perseverance, interceding on behalf of all the saints. And so how do I intercede for all the saints? How do I know what to pray for all the saints? Romans 8 says this, See too that the Holy Spirit, so too the Holy Spirit comes to our aid and bears us up on our weakness, for we do not know what prayer to offer, nor how to offer it worthily as we ought to. So when I pray for people, Pastor, pray for me. How do I pray for you? I pray for you in the Spirit. I don't know all your circumstances. I don't know all the situations. But I can pray for you in other tongues. By allowing the Holy Spirit to intercede for you through me. Allowing my voice to be His voice. Can you say Amen. So that's what we do. But the, so why? But the Spirit Himself goes to meet our supplication and pleads in our behalf with unspeakable yearnings and groanings too deep for utterance. And He who searches the hearts of men and knows what is the mind of the Holy Spirit and what His intent is, because the Spirit intercedes and pleads before God in behalf of the saints according to and in harmony with God's will. Wow. 
So when I allow the Holy Spirit to pray through me and do intercession through me, then he's praying God's perfect will for the saints. When Paul said, pray for us and intercession in that area, that is so powerful. You see, I know right now many of you in your minds are saying, I don't understand tongues or why I need to speak in tongues when I can pray in my own understanding and God answers my prayer. That's 100% correct. I'm not saying you can't. You can pray any way you want. You you, you can say, I'm just going to operate in my understanding in my walk with God, or you can move over into life in the Spirit. Amen. How about you? I like the whole buffet myself. I like it all. Amen. If it's there, and it's paid for, and it's been given to me, and it's part of my inheritance, it's my inheritance, I want it now. Amen? I want to walk in that. So watch it. It's true you can pray in your understanding, and God will answer your prayer. But if you want to walk in all that God has for your life, you will have to move out of the comfort zone of leaning on your own understanding. People don't like the Holy Spirit, and most people don't like praying in time because it makes them uncomfortable, because it makes no sense to your brain. That's the only reason you don't like tongues. You don't want God doing anything in your life you don't understand. Well, well, what am I saying? Who cares? I go by, if I'm praying in the Spirit, I know the Holy Spirit wants to use my voice. He wants to use my voice. He wants to pray. The people on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit fell on them, they didn't have any idea what God was saying. There. But the people outside heard them, and they were speaking the wonderful works of God. And because they allowed the Holy Spirit to use their voice, the next thing you know, a whole multitude of people get saved. Amen. There's all kinds of different ways, and there's all kinds of different ways God will manifest himself through your life to make you a blessing to somebody else. But how many know there's people, when you people have called you and asked you to pray for them and doing that, and, and you, you limit your prayer... To what you think God should do for them. Well, God, I think if you do this, if you do this. Some of you pray for your children in your own understanding. And you have no idea what God needs to do to reach your kids. Amen. When the Bible says, commit your way to the Lord to just give that and roll coal it of care. When the Bible says, cast all your care upon him because he cares for you, that means your kids too. You're supposed to give them and commit them to the Lord. Then once you give them to him, you don't try to figure out or go back to him and have him explain to you how he's going to do it. Or go, hey, God, how come you're not moving yet? I gave him my kids. How come you haven't got them saved yet? What's going on with them? I keep seeing them doing this. I keep seeing them do that. God, you must not be moving in their life. No, just get out of that. And when you, when you go to pray for them, just go, Father, I thank you. My children are saved. I thank you they walk in the Spirit. I thank you they're led by your Spirit. I thank you they know you. I thank you they honor you with your life. I thank you they're godly parents. I thank you they raise godly children. I thank you my grandchildren will be children of God. And you start declaring the Word of God over your kids instead of complaining. Amen. So you can pray in your own understanding, and God will answer those prayers. But somebody say there's more. There's just more. God always has more than what we limit him to. See, we must believe and receive God's word as seed, as Jesus declared, it is sown in our heart, and allow it to produce the harvest that it contains, even when we don't understand it. Think about this. Abraham didn't understand what God asked him to do. When he tried to work it out in his own understanding... When him and Sarah tried to figure out how God would give them a child, Sarah sent him into Hagar and they birthed Ishmael. And how we know we're still paying for that act of own understanding today. Being led by God and by the Spirit produces Isaacs and promise. 
Being led by your understanding produces Ishmael's, which gender strife and are expensive. Amen? Moses believed God when it made no sense to his understanding. Stretch out your rod and I'll part the sea. Strike the rock and water will come out. It doesn't make any sense. No understanding. Mary believed God when it made no sense to understand it. Mary, this is what's going to happen. The Spirit of the Most High is going to come upon you, and you're going to conceive in your womb as a child, and that child's going to be the Son of God. Well, I don't understand how that works. No, Mary didn't say that. She just said, be it unto me according to your word. Be it unto me. Something happened when I decide to place my confidence just in the word of God. And I say, God, be it unto me according to your word. Whether it's in my prayer life, whether it's in any area of my faith walk. I just want God's word being made alive through my life. Amen. Gideon believed God when it made no sense to his understanding. This Gideon, this is what you're going to do. You're going to get a bunch of land. You're going to go out there and you're not going to deliver them by 30,000. You're not going to deliver them by 10,000. I'm going to give you 300 men and you're going to get a victory over a massive army. That makes no sense. Jehoshaphat, this is what you're going to do. You're going to go out and you're going to get a praise band and they're going to go out before you and they're going to praise God. And you're going to win the battle through praise. Well, that makes no sense. This is how you're going to conquer Jericho. You're going to get a bunch of people and you're going to march around the wall seven times. One day, seven days, or six days, one time you're going to walk around there and everybody's going to be quiet. And then on the seventh day, you're going to march around the wall seven times. And on the seventh time when you get done, everybody's going to shout and the walls are going to come down. What? God, that makes no sense to my understanding. But what happened? The walls came down. But anytime you limit God to your understanding, whether it's what He asks you to do and where He asks you to go and in obedience to Him, or even in your prayer life, we're robbing ourselves of the miraculous power of God being displayed through our life. Peter believed God when it made no sense to his understanding. He said, Lord, if that's you, bid me come. But the moment he went back to his understanding, what happened? When he bent, I, I shouldn't be, I, I, this doesn't make any sense. I'm not supposed to be able to walk on water. You're not supposed to be able to do anything God asked you to do. It's God working through your life so he can get the glory as being God through your life. The blind man believed when it made no sense to his understanding. Mud. In your eyes, go wash and you will see. That makes spitting and making mud and putting in somebody's eyes and telling them to go wash makes no sense to blind men seeing. Understand that. You, you don't get to understand it, you get to do it. You just do it. You just say yes to God. God, I just give you my yeah. I, I'm, I'm done reasoning with you. I'm done trying to arm wrestle with you. I'm done arguing with you, striving with you, wrestling with you. God, I just believe you. I'm going to take your word. I'm going to live by your word. And I'm going to receive what you have for my life. I want to live for you to be glorified through my life. You and I will have to believe God and his word to worship him and come back. Even when it makes no sense to our understanding. If we go to receive, if we want to see and receive the promise and the fulfillment of God's word come to pass in our lives. We have to let our reply be like Mary. Be it unto me according to your word. In 1989 when we came to plant the church, 
There was a, a lawyer that went to our home church. John Larimer was his name. And this is what he said. He said, you're going to a place where you don't know anybody and you're just going to plant a church. How are you going to do that? I said, we're just going to go do it. Well, how do you do that? I said, I don't know. I've never done it before. I'm just going to go do it. Amen. So how do you do that? Well, you just go and you do it. You just go. You find a place to meet. Invite people to come. Next thing you know, you have a church. He goes, I can't believe you just do that. I can't believe you just go do that. You don't know anybody there? No, I don't know anybody there. I got a wife, two kids, and this young lady who we raised up in our youth group is going to come with us, help us, and that. And uh, Stacy was 19. She came with us. And so we're just going to go start a church. Amen. The organization we were with at that time, I just said, hey, you guys give people 1500 bucks a month to start a church. I said, you can't start nothing for 1500 bucks." So this is what I said. I just felt the Spirit of God. I told him, I said, you give me $4,000 for six months, and in six months we'll be self-sufficient. You support us with $4,000 for six months, and in six months we'll be able to stand on our own. You know what? We started, we were self-sufficient before six months, and we were paying back what they gave us. Because when God asks you to do something, He provides for you. When God asks you to do something, He provides for you. He didn't ask us to understand it. He just said, go do it. Amen? When we moved into here, we felt like God said, we rented the first part of this building. In 1994, walked in this, we were looking for a place to meet. We are meeting in the vet's hall, looking all around, and walked into here. We'd been raising money to, to, to move into a facility and that for three years. You know how much we raised in three years? $6,000. So we rented this building in three years. I'm a master fundraiser. So moving into this building, we had $6,000. And uh, I told the guy, I said, Russ owned it, the previous owner. We look at the foyer out there was 2,400 square feet. The foyer in the kitchen and the, the men's bathroom, we rented that section. And then we rented just our old sanctuary. That was 4,200 square feet and 2,400 square feet. We had about 75 people. And I looked at this whole thing and put my arm around Russ. I said, hey, you know what, Russ? It costs a lot of money to worship God. Amen. And we rented the building from him. And you've heard me tell the story, but we had a lady coming to the church. And her husband never came, but she ran at that time our tape ministry. We had cassette tapes and so she had taken the, the service home, and he would listen to all the messages. He would just never come. So when he found out we rented the building, we're getting ready to remodel the sanctuary. He calls up. He goes, he called me. He goes, hey, hey, Pastor Don, I hear you need some money. I said, yeah, Mick, we need some money. He says, well, I'll give you $10,000. Let me know if you need some more. I said, Mick, I need some more. But so, so, so God used a man who never came to church. He just listened to the tape. He, he didn't come. So when you lean on your understanding, you'll look at your people. You say, I only have $6,000. How can I do that? When God is telling you to do it, you don't lean on your own understanding. You just do it. And you allow God to show up and show you how He's going to do it. Amen? But you have to be led by the Spirit. You have to know you're hearing God. You don't get presumptuous with God. Stand to your feet with me this morning. 
So some of you have been hung up just leaning in your own understanding. It may not be just, maybe you're baptized with the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're praying in a prayer life. But sometimes we get hung up and we don't even think, believe that praying in the Spirit is beneficial to us. So we become dry. It's been a long time since we prayed in the Spirit. Maybe you're here today. And the thing that's held you back from being able to pray in the Spirit is you have your own understanding of why tongues is not for everybody. That even though God filled everybody, every time in the book of Acts where people received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking another tongue, every person in the building at that time received. God didn't leave anybody out. It wasn't the gift of tongues of 1 Corinthians. It wasn't the manifestation of the Spirit. It was the ability to pray in the Spirit, as Jude said, and to edify and to strengthen and to build themselves up. So God gave every believer the ability to pray and to allow the Holy spirit to minister through them and pray through them and for them to be strong in the spirit he gave everybody that gift he leaves nobody out amen he leaves nobody out but see because it doesn't make sense to our understanding and people have taken first corinthians 12 13 and 14 and brought it over into the book of Acts. it's not the book of Acts. paul says you church of corinth you guys come behind and no spiritual gift you're just out of order in what you do so he comes in to get them back to doing things decently and in order because it does me no good just to walk up to you and go and to speak in tongues to you and have no interpretation that's why paul says if i come to you speaking i don't profit you anything Unless I speak to you by teaching, by revelation. But when I'm speaking to God in the Spirit, everybody has the ability to pray to God in the Spirit and to strengthen and to build themselves up. So if you need a breakthrough in any area of your life, if you need to break out of a lack of of just leaning on your own understanding and you're just ready to trust God, then I want you just to move to this altar here right now this morning. Come on, let's just press into God. So many times we miss out. We just think, I'm okay where I am. And we've lost our press for God. We've lost our hunger for God. We've lost that desire for more of God. So if you need a breakthrough, if you've never prayed in the Spirit, I'll pray with you this morning and God will baptize you here right now. You can have a release. When we pastored in Beaver, we had a lady that led our worship. She was read her whole, led her whole, taught her whole life that tongue was of the devil. And she said, Pastor, since I've heard you teach on that, that I feel something rise up on the inside of me and then I push it back down. I feel it rise up and I push it back down. And then one Sunday, she just let go and God poured through her life and she'd been praying in the Spirit ever since. Amen. Some of you have had that suppression in your life. So if you're ready for a breakthrough, if you're tired of leaning on your own understanding in anything, if God's been speaking to you about launching out and being obedient somewhere, then just come to this altar and lay that on the altar this morning. But we'll pray for you right now as they leave. Come on, Justin.